0: Thank you, Mim It is fantastic to be speaking to you and also for the youth to be staying in for this bit of the service as well. I thought I'd treat them to hearing from me once again, which they don't normally get today um, but today we're going to be reading um, from John chapter twelve verses one to eight, so feel free to get that up on your Bibles, but uh, I think this is an amazing passage, and I feel as though God spoken to me loads about this as I've been studying through it and um, in this passage, we met with two people, Mary and Judas, um who could not have any dip more, could not be any more different in their relationships with Jesus. Mary is sacrificial and worshipful, and Judas is selfish and self-seeking, uh, personal game in this passage. And we get to see how Jesus responds to being in the room with both these people at the same time. So it's a great passage, and I believe that God wants to encourage us and challenge us about the way we worship Him and our relationship with Him uh, during this passage. So we're going to go for it. I'll, I'll read it in the New International Version. <clears throat> so. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served, whilst Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) Um, Okay so let's talk about Mary first. Now Mary is at the feet of Jesus and she is worshipping him in a costly and undignified way a costly way because the perfume was worth a year's wages and the average um, salary of a full-time worker in the UK right now is like £31,000. So we'll say it was worth around about that much money. So that is an insane amount of money to be pouring at the feet of anybody. And um, she pours this feet, she, <laughs> she, pours, she pours the perfume out on Jesus' feet and, um, and she, wipes, she wipes it around. Oh my gosh, the Kindle's just gone off. Hey, up! One second. I love it when this happens. Okay, here we go, we're back. (laughs) And um, she bores it as Jesus' feet. And just to mention, Jesus' feet would not have been like pretty and soft and nice like my feet. Here's a photo of my feet coming up on the screen. No, not really. I've not actually done that. That would have been awful. Um, They wouldn't be like that. They'd actually be quite dirty and callous. Jesus would have walked around in sandals on dry and dusty ground. Um, So it would have been... Quite a, a, a dirty and unusual thing to do just to start off with. But then on top of that, she takes her hair and uh, she wipes that on his feet as well. And when I read this first time, I thought, oh, maybe this is something they just like did 2,000 years ago. Maybe this is a customary act to be doing. But no, it's not. It was unusual even for 2,000 years ago. And uh, it's not a normal act for someone to be doing in that culture. So it was costly worship, it was unusual, and it was undignified. And it was so costly, unusual and undignified that it actually offended somebody else in the room. Judas. But we'll talk about that later. But why was she worshipping Jesus? And why was she worshipping him like this? Mary's worship was a response to Jesus raising her brother Lazarus from the dead. And if you read back in John, Mary has just seen her brother Lazarus, who had been dead for four days... He was wrapped in grave clothes and put in a tomb. And when Jesus came along and said, Lazarus, come out, the dead man walked out of the grave. And this act showed Mary that Jesus was the Messiah and that she was in the presence of God. She was in awe and wonder of the man that was sat in front of them. And uh, Jesus in himself is no longer in this room, but the Holy Spirit is and the presence of God is let's firstly talk about the lack of dignity. Now, washing someone's feet and wiping your hair all over them in worship is about as undignified as you can get, I think. And uh, there's someone else in the Bible who was known for their undignified worship, and that was David. And um, in 2 Samuel uh, chapter six, it talks about how David was dancing before the Lord, and he wasn't very very much at the time. Um, But one verse, it says in verse 22, it says, this is David speaking, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I'll be humiliated in my own eyes and he's saying that to his wife because his wife is uh, despised him in her heart because of his worship it was that offensive to her um, and David was completely willing to be humiliated for the sake of celebrating the Lord now our outward expression of worship comes from an inward heart position and we worship Jesus because of what because of who he is and what he has done that has been mentioned early and Earlier and Mary was in a place of awe and wonder because she had just seen her brother raised from the dead. She had seen life burst out of a place where death once was. But just like Lazarus, Lazarus, Jesus has also taken us from death to life. This has happened in our lives too, and we have been made alive in Christ. It says that in Ephesians chapter two, and we need to continue to call to mind what Jesus has done in our lives when we come to worship. And on Tuesday night, I was at this group called Connect, and it's a worshipping community for those who've given their lives to Jesus in prison and their family and friends. And those guys have lived quite the life. Um, They've all had some amazing stories. And remember Kirk was here a few months ago, and we saw his story on the screen. It was was insane. And um, what is such a gift about those guys is they understand what they've been saved from. And I think sometimes we forget what we've been saved from. And... um, we need to be remembering what God has done in our lives when we come to worship him. What has God done in your life? Because I know that he's done amazing things. In my life, he's taken me from a place where I was pursuing the world, which was telling me that my identity was in the grades I got and in the future of how much money I would be earning and that I needed to follow what my friends were doing. I needed to be doing things like drinking and partying and sleeping with people and pursuing popularity. But when I pursued those, it left me anxious and purposeless. But on the other hand, when I pursued Jesus, it filled me with a a love which I found from him, a purpose and a peace which I could not explain. And I found a community where I could thrive, where people loved me and a a life where I'm living by faith and it's adventurous and it's exciting. So that's what Jesus done in my life. What has he done in your life? You need to know these things and bring it to mind when we come to worship. And our worship may look a little bit different off the back of it. Now Mary and David's worship was born out of this awe and wonder of Jesus and they expressed it in an undignified manner. And if your heart posture is in awe and wonder of who Jesus is, then your outward expression of worship may not look undignified in a moment of some worship but your life will reflect a radical relationship with Jesus. And you will certainly look different to those around you and you will live a life that looks different to those living for the world. And on top of that, you certainly will not be offended when you see somebody worshipping in an undignified way, just like Judas was and just like David's wife was but I think that corporate worship is so interesting I don't know about you but sometimes I feel held back when I'm in corporate worship and I have like a desire to express my affection and love for Jesus physically in certain ways but I can often find that desire is met with a resistance in my own mind what will people think of me if I stick my hands up what people think if I'm jump around and we sometimes allow the fear of man to dictate how we worship Jesus um, and I remember at the weekend away there was one night and the worship was pumping and I was really vibing with the Lord and I thought oh just like a natural expression I was just like jump around like I really just want to do that and but I was like oh no I can't what's everyone going to think of me if not doing that and um, it took me like three songs to get past that and then I did start jumping up and down and as I started jumping I felt the floorboards creaking and then the the music started crackling a bit I thought hey up I'm there uh, shifting some wires about out here. I best stop, actually. But it took me like three songs to push past it, but if you were at the weekend of May, then you rem- weekend away, then you remember that on the last night we were all jumping around in worship. So why was the last night different to the first morning? What was different about that? Well, firstly, we'd all had significant encounters with Jesus. So we're in a place where we're in in awe and wonder of him, just like Mary and David were. But also we'd realised that the person to our left and right is having the same fear of man that we are ourselves. So we don't need to fear what they're thinking too, because we're all thinking the same thing. And I think that when people step out of their comfort zones in worship, it really encourages me. And some days, I'll be honest, I come to church and I'm not really feeling it that much. I sort of would rather stand at the back and just disengage a bit. But when I see someone going for worship then, I'm like, oh wow, like actually God is good and I should give my ultimate. It encourages me to come and worship. And when I'm struggling with the fear of man, I see someone else going for it, seeing someone else who's pushed past it, I think, oh, I can push past it too. So when you break free from the fear of man, it also Encourages other people, and I want to be a part of a church that is free in worship, where people can come and express their affection and love for Jesus, and where there is a culture that if you want to get on your knees, you do that, if you want to put your hands up in praise, you do that. If you want to get on your face, you could do that too. If you want to sing out, then you can also do that as well. And I know that some of you are getting a bit scared right now, you're thinking he's gonna make me jump up and down in worship as a response to this talk. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask us to do that at the end. But you are free to do that if you would like. And worship is not about our outward expression, I don't think. It's about our heart position. And I believe that when our hearts are completely filled with affection towards Jesus, it will lead us at times to express ourselves in an undignified way. But I do know that not everybody expresses themselves in the same way. But the the challenge about Mary and David's life is that their affection was, and was so important to God for them that it was more important than anything else, including what people thought of them. So two little quick questions. Do you struggle to worship because you're not in awe and wonder of Jesus? Then reflect on what he's done for your life. And secondly, do you struggle to express your awe and wonder for Jesus because of the fear of man? Then I encourage you to push past that. Okay, let's move on to the smell of the perfume. Now, as Mary wiped the feet of Jesus with her hands and hair, she would have obviously smelt very strongly of the perfume. It says in the verse, doesn't it, that the fragrance filled the room. And as she poured her affection out to Jesus, she would have left smelling just how he smelt as well. And smell is an interesting thing isn't it i don't know if you have ever had this but um sometimes i'm in like a group of people and someone says oh someone smells nice here don't they who's that someone smells nice and i'm thinking yeah that's me a new cologne i got it for christmas actually and then they come and give you a little sniff and oh it's not you oh that is a painful moment or smells also work the other way around you never you know when you're in a room and like there's a bad smell and you're thinking who's that stinks in here and um, the I remember one time um, I was in the office a few weeks ago with me, Luke and Alice and I thought, smells a bit like feet in here and um, I thought, gosh, one of these two smell of feet and uh, they both left the room and the feet smell was still there and I thought, oh, it's me, I smell of feet goodness me I actually thought it was Alice I'm sorry Alice no reflection on yourself but smell it it's an interesting thing isn't it but the grace of God is that as we draw near to him he draws near to us and we are transformed as we worship him and when we spend time in the presence of God we walk away smelling more like him and you can tell people that have been spending time with Jesus You can tell that they're different. It's evident in their lives, the way that they walk around, the way they speak and in the way they worship and also in the questions they ask sometimes. It's sort of like annoyingly direct and just the right thing to be asking you in the moment. It's really frustrating. Um, But when you spend time with people, um, you start to imitate their actions, don't you? And you start to like adopt mannerisms and words that other people have. And I can sometimes find myself having similar facial expressions to Lee, which is a terrifying moment when I realise I'm actually doing that um but i used to think for, he's pulling an angry face at and i used to think for a while that when i saw people in worship uh, that were really like encountering god and i wasn't and i could really see that they're hearing from god i'm like why are they meeting with jesus right now and i don't really seem to be but then i'd leave church that week i'd go home i wouldn't think about it too much until the next week when i'd see them encountering god again hearing from god again and i think why am i not meeting with jesus the way that they seem to be But the people who appear to be having deeper encounters with God are the people that spend the most time at his feet. And the more you spend time with Jesus, the hungrier you get for it. And it is easier to just throw off the distractions and enter into his presence when you spend more time at his feet. Because the more we worship him, the more we walk around smelling like him, the more we reflect him in our day-to-day lives, and the more we reveal him to other people. And that's a gift to those around us. We'll go on to the cost now. And this is the bit in which offended Judas. And this leads into the next part of the passage where we compare how different Judas's heart is to Mary's here. So as I've said, £31,000 is a huge amount of money. And if I'm honest, when I first read the passage, I was starting to side with Judas. I could almost see a truth in what Judas was saying. You know, £31,000 just poured out on the floor and Judas says, give it to the poor. Well, yeah, do you know what? I sort of agree. Me and Alicia feel as though areas of deprivation have been put on our heart, and we've moved to Biker to live missionally in an area of of depri- deprivation, and we do youth work in these areas, and we care deeply about them. And when I hear about that money being wasted, almost, I sort of do feel a bit frustrated by that. And um, but we find out what Judas's actual intention is when we read on in verse six. It says this. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Now, on the surface, what Judas said appeared godly. And, but Judas did not want this money to be given to the poor. He actually said it because he wants to steal from the poor. And what Mary did is she poured out the perfume in selfless worship, but Judas wanted to sell it for selfish gain. And one thing that God's really been talking to me about at the moment is not partnering um, with the enemy in any areas of my life. And when I say partnering with the enemy, I mean choosing the flesh over the spirit. And Judas had partnered with the enemy in the area of selfishness and greed. We know that because he was taking money out of the bag that was given to help Jesus' ministry. He'd started to steal and that had led him to tell Mary that she shouldn't worship Jesus in a certain way because that money should be given to the poor. And here's the thing which I've been going around in my head about is that when we partner with the enemy in areas of our life, we get to a place where we say and do things which can appear godly, but actually are rooted in temptation. So I've got three examples of doing this. One in my life, one that maybe some of us do a bit. And then one example where Jesus could have done this, but he didn't. Okay. So first example, I used to listen to lots of football podcasts. And when I say used to, I mean like three weeks ago. Okay. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> i guess, like, I was really addicted to them, and I'd listen to them for at least like one and a half hours a day, like, at the very least. But I just always wanted to put them on. I was just, I was loving it for some reason. And um, because of this, I would want to undisturbed listen to me podcast. So I discovered that if I offered to wash up and clean the kitchen, I could listen to my podcast undisturbed. So I'd say to Alicia, dear, I'll, I'll wash up tonight. I'll clean the kitchen, which on the surface appears like a godly and selfless thing for a husband to be offering to do for his wife. But actually, I was doing it because I would, had a selfish desire to spend more time with my football podcast than I did with my wife. The offering appeared godly and serving, but actually, it was rooted in a selfishness. And the uh, first time Alicia found out about this was this afternoon when I read my talk, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the second one is an example that maybe all of us struggle with sometimes. And we can adopt the line. we spoke about this in the Five Lies That Ruin Our Life series, that we adopt the lie that we're unwanted. So because of that, we decide to join a team at church. And we serve every week so that we can feel included. And giving up your time to serve on team is a godly thing. And it appears like you're doing it for a really godly reason. And it is a great thing to do. But actually your decision to serve on team is rooted in you believing a lie about yourself that you're not wanted and you want to feel included. So you do something out of that place. Because the truth is you are included and you don't need to do something to be included. You are included because of who you are. And we all get into this place and we think we need to do things to earn our salvation or to earn love from Jesus. But here's an example of how Jesus could have done this but didn't, okay? So when Jesus was in the wilderness, the enemy came to tempt him three times. And one time, Satan said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In that moment, Jesus could have easily um, performed that miracle. He could have turned those stones into bread. But he would have done that out of a route of succumbing to Satan's temptation, not in obedience to the Father. He could have done that miracle, but only because, Jesus, because Satan had tempted him, not because the Father had told him to. It would have appeared like an amazing thing, this amazing miracle, but it wouldn't have been of the Father. But instead of Jesus doing this, he said this, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in that moment, Jesus chose obedience to the Father by submitting to scripture instead of partnering with the enemy's temptation. And the thing is, the enemy wants us to continue to partner with him and with the world in small ways. And he wants to do it so that we can become lukewarm Christians. And the enemy hates it when our affection and attention is on Jesus. Because as I said before, we start looking more like him, we start smelling more like him, we start reflecting him to those around us. And If the enemy can get us to partner with him in small ways, he can slowly gain a foothold in our lives. And he's absolutely fine with us being lukewarm Christians, by the way. It's no threat to him if we're lukewarm. But as we see, Judas started by stealing from Jesus, but it leads him to betray Jesus for money. It started with a small partnership, but it ended with a large act of betrayal. And we cannot afford to partner with the enemy in any way because when we do, we start to be led astray. And on top of that, we can also start to lead others astray in turn, just like how Judas tried to lead Mary away from worshipping Jesus. Okay, well, let's look at Jesus' response. We're going to start wrapping up now. But uh, what really interests me about Jesus' response is that he doesn't address Judas' intention to steal He would have known that Judas wanted that money so that he could steal it, um, but he didn't actually challenge that intention. Instead, he responds to what Judas says on the surface. So read with me in verse 7. Jesus said this, Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And I think maybe one of the reasons that Jesus Jesus didn't respond to the root of what Judas is saying is because he wants us to learn something from what Judas is saying on the surface. It is much more important to be with Jesus than to do things for Jesus. Jesus. And it is so easy to slip into a place where we think we need to earn our salvation, where we need to prove ourselves to Jesus and show him that we love him. Our heads can easily just go to do more, do more, do more. And Jesus wants to challenge this mindset. Jesus wants our hearts, not our good works. And in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he replies with this. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. The greatest commandment is to love God and then love people. And it's that way round for a reason. And we do good works out of a place of devotion to Jesus. We do it because we know we're loved, cherished and chosen. And because we know who God is. And we love because he first loved us and we are sent out from that place of knowing who God is and how loved we are. And here's the thing. If we don't spend time at his feet, in his presence and digging into his word, then how do we know if what we are doing, if our works are in obedience to him? If we're not spending time at his feet and allowing him to transform us from the inside out, then are we going out into the world really smelling like Jesus or to the other things that we're devoting ourselves to? Will, would you like to make your way back up? Now, the Bible does clearly teach that faith without works is dead. And our faith leads us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But the important thing is that work does not become the main things. That good works do not become the main things. And I heard someone say this in a sermon recently, and uh, it really struck a chord with me. And he said, um, do not be more in love with the work of the God than the God of the work. Do not be more in love with the work of the God than the God of the work. Don't give your heart to good works. Give your heart to Jesus and good works will flow out of you and your works will be much, much more effective when you're doing it from a place of devotion and intimacy with Jesus. But we're going to respond to this now. So if you'd like to stand to your feet with me. I think there's a number of things we can respond to about this and um here is a couple and i encourage all of you to get prayer ministry if you like the prayer ministry team are going to come to this area down here so please do head up if there's something which has just struck a chord of you something you want prayer for but here's a couple of things that i think god wants us to respond to Firstly, it's this, that we I spoke about worship coming from a place of awe and wonder of Jesus. And maybe you feel as though you were in a place at one point of awe and wonder of Jesus. You knew the amazing things he'd done in your life and you felt in touch with what he was doing and you were so overcome by him and his love. But you just feel as though you've, you've lost touch with that a bit. And this afternoon you want to a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit and you want to refill in from Him and you just want to regain that awe and wonder of Him. If that's you, I encourage you to come forward and receive prayer. And maybe there's some other people here who feel as though there are some areas which they've been recognised, they've been partnering with the enemy a little bit and been choosing the flesh over the Spirit and you want God's strength to stop this. Again, come and receive and finally, one of our amazing young people who's on the camera over here, Ellie, um, has been praying for this service and I asked the the youth to, to pray for us and to send in any words they had. And um, Ellie said this, that she felt as though God is inviting us to give him our all and hold nothing back, just like Mary did. Because Mary gave Jesus her devotion, her dignity, and he, she gave her him costly perfection and on top of that, unrelated. Another one of our youth, Grace, was saying that she felt as though God was bringing to her mind at the moment whenever she's feeling stressed or she's in a difficult time that the Lord brings the song "Oh, Come to the Altar" to her mind. And maybe that's for you today. There's just—it's not even related to this talk, but there's just something which is just—it's getting in the way, and God just wants you to come and receive his spirit he wants you to be filled with his spirit and he wants you to pray with someone but here's the thing and I'll finish on this and stop yabbing on just like Mary poured her perfume out on Jesus God wants to pour his spirit out on you and in Acts chapter 2 the prophet Joel was quoted (laughs) saying this In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit out on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. God wants to pour his spirit out on us this afternoon. I encourage you all to put yourselves in a posture of receiving and worshiping the Lord. I'm just going to pray for our hand. is back over. Spirit. Lord, we pray that we will be like Mary, that we would sit at your feet and pour our devotion out to you. Lord, we pray that our worship would be costly and undignified. And Lord, we just thank you that as we come to worship you, that you transform us, that we walk away smelling more like you, and that your spirit fills us up Lord and that when we go into the world when we go into our workplaces or our schools or into our families that we take you with us too Lord and I thank you for your grace for transforming us and we ask that you will continue to transform us now Lord as we stand in your presence we just pray that you will continue to show us the areas of our life where we're choosing the the flesh over the spirit and Lord we want to choose you instead Lord give us the strength to choose you in those areas we've been finding it difficult to for so long Lord and Lord we pray for any of us who are struggling with the fear of man and what other people think of them all the time Lord may we care more about what you think of us and we thank you that where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and I just pray freedom over those right now who are struggling and feeling held back by the thoughts in their mind and by the thoughts of other people and maybe what other people have said to them maybe people who've stepped out in worship and someone like a Judas has said why are you doing that? we break it off in the name of Jesus and may they be free in their worship Come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us afresh. We want more of you. We need more of you. We need you, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. More of you. More of you. may we know that we're loved that we don't need to do anything to earn our love may we not try and earn your affection Lord we thank you that you're proud of us before we do anything and Lord we just pray for a revelation of, and an awe and wonder of you Lord may we know your love in new depths may we know your love in a fresh way God, we know that there's new depths of you which we've not yet encountered and we ask for it now, Lord. May we know more of you. God, we thank you for the sacrifice of your Son on the cross. And Lord, we pray for a deep revelation of it in our lives. And Lord, may that draw us to worship you so when we come to worship, we can't help but put our hands in the air. We can't help but jump around or fall to our knees when we're in your glory, Lord. We want more of you. pray against the Britishness which just wants us to stand there like nothing's going on even when we know that you're moving in the room Lord we pray against that Britishness God (laughs) come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit we lay ourselves out as a sacrificial offering and we thank you that your fire falls on sacrifice and we pray that your fire will fall on us now Holy Spirit, let's worship.